Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya My devotees do not know anything else but me, and I do not know anything else but them. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Since Durvasa Muni wanted to chastise Maharaj Anvarish, it is to be understood that he wanted to give pain to the heart of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. For the Lord says, Sadhavo hridayam mayam. The pure devotee is always within the core of my heart. The Lord's feelings are like those of a father who feels pain when his child is in pain. Therefore, offenses at the lotus feet of a devotee are serious. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has very strongly recommended that one not commit any offense at the lotus feet of a devotee. Such offenses are compared to a mad elephant, because when a mad elephant enters a garden, it causes devastation. Therefore, one should be extremely careful not to commit offenses at the lotus feet of a pure devotee. Actually, Maharaj Ambarish was not at all at fault. Durvasa Muni unnecessarily wanted to chastise him on flimsy grounds. Maharaj Ambarish wanted to complete the Ikadasi Parana as part of devotional service to please the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and therefore he drank a little water. But although Durvasa Muni was a great mystic Brahman, he did not know what is what. That is the difference between a pure devotee and a so-called learned scholar of Vedic knowledge. The devotees, being always situated in the core of the Lord's heart, surely get all instructions directly from the Lord, as confirmed by the Lord himself in Bhagavad Gita. Tesham evanukam bharatam aham ajnanam atamaha nasayam yatma bhavashto jnana deepena bhashvata. Out of compassion for them, I, dwelling in their hearts, destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance. The devotee does not do anything not sanctioned by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As it is said, Vaishnavera Kriya Mudra Vigyeha Navujai. Even the most learned or experienced person cannot understand the movements of a Vaishnava, a pure devotee. No one, therefore, should criticize a pure Vaishnava. A Vaishnava knows his own business. Whatever he does is precisely right because he is always guided by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Translation Sadhavo hridayam mayam sadhunam hridayam tvaham mad anyate na jhananti naham te bhumanagapi. The pure devotee is always within the core of my heart, and I am always in the heart of the pure devotee. My devotees do not know anything else but me, and I do not know anything else but them. of the ten offenses to the holy name of the Lord. The first and most dangerous of all offenses is to blaspheme those devotees who are dedicating their lives to spreading the glories of the holy name. 
this particular chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam very clearly is the revelation of the inner feelings of the Lord's heart that he is making known for all the world to see. Sometimes when we have a very confidential friend, we can disclose the secrets of our heart. Here, Lord Sri Krishna is revealing one of the great secrets, the most intimate of the divine feelings of his heart. He is explaining that the pure devotee is always within the core of my heart, and I am always in the heart of the pure devotees. My devotees do not know anything else but me, and I do not know anything else or anyone else but them. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is known as Bhaktivatsal, is always captured by the love of his devotees. Throughout the scriptures we find repeated evidence of this. Mother Jashoda, when she bound Krishna by the rope, it was rope used for holding the legs of cows, In his naughtiness, she was fearing that he may put himself into a difficult situation which may cause him pain. And therefore, Jashodamai decided to tie him up. First of all, she had to catch him. Who can catch the Supreme Personality of Godhead? It is described the jnanis, with all their memorization and excellent analysis of all the scriptures, they can never ever catch the Supreme Personality of God. And the karma yogis, even after performing the most elegant, elaborate sacrifices, they cannot catch the Supreme Personality of God. And the mystic yogis, even after lifetimes of penance and tapasya in seclusion, keeping their back utterly erect, stopping their breathing process, fasting, accepting celibacy, in a secluded place, enduring the winters, freezing cold, the summers burning heat, with the inflictions of snakes, scorpions, tigers, and all sorts of dangers all around them. Sometimes, even for hundreds of years, they exist only on prana, celestial breath. Through this process, no one has ever captured the Supreme Personality of God. But Mother Jashoda, who is simply a housewife in the home of Nanda Maharaj, because of her innocent and pure love, she was not only able to catch Krishna, but she was able to bind him with the rope of her devotion. Therefore, Satyavrat Muni, in his famous Dhamotarastakam, uh, he is offering obeisances to that rope, which is the process of bhakti, or devotional service, which is the exclusive only means of understanding Krishna in truth. Bhaktya atvananiya shakya aham evam vidvarjana gyatam drastam chatatvena praveshtam chaparam. Krishna says it is only by devotion that I can be understood as I am. We can understand different aspects of the Lord by other processes of yoga or spirituality. But it is only by love that we can conquer the heart of God. And here he is explaining to Durvas Muni. Because Durvas Muni factually was a great, great jnani. 
he was the most brilliant scholar of Vedanta. And his, the level of his austerities and the quality of his perfection in the mystic process was unparalleled in all the universe. But yet, here we find that Lord Narayan, the Supreme Lord himself, explains, I care nothing for your austerities. I care nothing for your tapasya. I care nothing for all the miracles you can perform. I care nothing for all your intellectualization. It is only the humility of a devotee's heart that attracts me. And Ambarishi had none of these other qualities manifesting in his life, but he was a humble devotee. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is a special avatar because the innermost feelings of God are manifested through his life. Very clear and simple to understand for one who has open mind and a sincere desire for Krishna consciousness. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was revealing the innermost feelings of Krishna's heart. The love between Sri Sri Radha and Krishna, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahayana, the most confidential aspect of the spiritual world was being revealed to this world in a way never done before and never again by Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in his divine Leela, what is most prominent is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, revealing the love for his devotees. Over and over again, he is demonstrating. It is described that after he took the sannyas order of life, he was very anxious to return to his most beloved land of Vrindavan, Dham. But it is described that Lord Nityananda, knowing the anguish of the hearts of the devotees in Sridam Navadweep, he devised a secret plan to arrange so that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would return there instead. And when he met his mother, Sachi Devi, who had such love and devotion to him, he fell at his mother's feet. This was completely against all social conventions for a sannyasi to fall at his mother's feet. And when she saw him, she began to cry. She was accustomed to seeing him with beautiful flowing blackish hair that would conquer the mind even of Cupid with beautiful golden robes, jewelry, and garlands. And now she was seeing him in the drab saffron dress of a sannyasi. His beautiful hair is shaven away. She began to cry tears, tears of spiritual transcendental pain, thinking that my dear son what sort of austerities and troubles he will have to undergo in this sannyasa order of life. And as she was crying, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu allowed himself to be placed on the very lap of his own mother. She began to embrace him, and she was smothering him again and again and again with her kisses of love. Right in public, in front of all of his devotees. And as she was crying, he was crying. They were both in unbearable um, feelings of love for one another, thinking of the imminent separation that would take place. 
And then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu began to speak to his mother in the public. Not only in the public, but it's in the pages of Chaitanya Charitamrita. So that all the world can see for the rest of time. This sannyasi, how he is speaking to his mother. He says, my dear mother, I have no right to take this renounced order of life. It is complete madness. My body belongs to you. My life belongs to you. Therefore, if you want, I will stay home with you for the rest of my life. No problem. I will not go anywhere. I will give up everything. This is the reciprocation of the Lord's love for his devotee. How dear Sachi Mata was to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Mother Sachi Devi, how dear was the Lord to her heart. Although there was nothing in the world, nothing in the universe that she wanted more than just having her Nimai Pandits living beside her so she could see his beautiful moonlike face, hear the sweetness of his words day after day, as she was accustomed for 24 years. But because she knew that the people would criticize if a sannyasi is simply living home with mother, she said, no, no, you go to Jagannath Puri. Krishna is in Jagannath Puri. It is none different than Vrindavan. But at least there I will get some news from you from time to time, because Puri and Navadweep are like two rooms in the same house. So based on the loving request of his own mother, he changed all of his plans and settled for the rest of his life in this world, in Jagannath Puri. It was his base. And it is described that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sometimes when he would be with his devotees, not sometimes, practically all of the time, his greatest joy was glorifying his devotees. Sachimata hardly ever saw him again. It was a great sacrifice for her, but it was a sacrifice of love. Thinking in terms of his pleasure, she was willing to give up his association. And thinking in terms of her pleasure, he was willing to give up all social respectability toward himself. This is the sweetness of the intensity of the love between the Lord and his devotees. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he would send Sachimata Prasad regularly. And he would explain sometimes that, huh, my dear devotees, when you bring her prasad, please pacify her. She's in too much feelings of separation. Tell her that, do you remember this particular date when you offered wonderful bhoga to the deities? And you offered everything that I love to eat. And when you cooked, I came there and ate everything. And when you came back onto the altar of the holy deity of the Lord, there was nothing left in the plates. And in your ecstasy and humility, you began to cry, thinking, oh my God, what an offense, I have forgot to put anything on the plates. And then you filled up the plates again and offered. You should know, my dear mother, that I come whenever you cook. I personally come and eat what you cook. It is described that one time, ah, Sachimata, understand how dear she was to the Supreme Lord. How dear. And yet he could not even, he could not even tolerate when someone as dear as Sachimata committed an offense to another devotee. It is described that one time, in the house of Advaita Acharya, 
Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Sachi Devi that you can never go back to Godhead and you can never attain the mercy of Krishna because you have committed an offense against Sri Advaita Acharya. In your mind. And she became very much frightful. She was a very simple and humble and innocent devotee. She understood that she had displeased the Lord. And he explained to her that you have no hope of going back to Krishna because you have committed an offense against the Vaishnava. How exalted she was. And how he could not even tolerate an offense against the Vaishnava from her. And she said, what have I done? He said that uh, when I took sannyas, uh, no, when your son, my older brother, took sannyas, you were in your mind, although you did not say anything, you were in your mind blaming Adwaitacharya for influencing him to take sannyas. Because Vishwarup was always going to Adwaitacharya's house and hearing Srimad Bhagavatam and having kirtan. And due to this influence, he became completely, completely detached from all material life. And when he ran away and took sannyas, you were thinking in your heart that this Adwaitacharya, by his influence, my beloved son has left. In this way, in your mind, you are committing offense to the lotus feet of Adwaitacharya. And therefore, there is no hope for you to ever attain Krishna consciousness. So Mother Sachi Devi, she said, well, what do I have to do to atone for this offense? And he said, the only way to atone for this offense is you must, with your heart, in a state of great humility, desiring true forgiveness, you must take the dust from the feet of Sri Adwaitachari. And Sachi Mata said, but how is that possible? Adwaitacharya, he worships me like his mother, because I am your mother. He will never allow me to touch his feet. He's much bigger and stronger than me. How will I ever touch his feet? He said, it is the only means. So in order to, to show the world how serious he takes the offense of a devotee, he made a plan. He said, when Adwaita Acharya comes, I will manifest to him my super-excellence, and then he will bow down to me. And when he, was in, when he is in his full prostrations, you come out from the back, where he will not see you, and there you should take the dust from his lotus feet. So, when Advaita Acharya came, he offered his prostrated obeisances to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Gaur Hadi. And while he was laying there, immersed in divine love, Satchimata secretly from behind took the dust from his feet. And when he understood what had happened, he became very much embarrassed. Why have you done like this? How could you do like this? And then she confessed that I have committed an offense to your lotus feet, my dear Adwaita, please forgive me. And then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained to Adwaita how this was necessary for the purification of Satchimata and also to establish throughout the world that no one can be dear to Krishna if he is committing offenses to the lotus feet of the devotees. Of course, we also read about the story of during the nocturnal kirtans of Srivas Thakur, as they were having the night kirtans with the doors and windows closed, the neighboring people were too much complaining. Because Navadweep at that time was full of karmakandis, atheists, and, and mental speculative scholars of the Vedas. They could not understand the devotional ecstasies of the Lord and his devotees. So they would criticize that why are they locking the doors? Why are they singing all night? They're just a bunch of beggars. 
They're singing all night because they have no good food. Therefore, it's also stomach pains, howling. What do they do in there? We know what they're doing. They're having all sorts of illicit sexual affairs with women. They're probably gambling, eating meat, doing all abominable things. That's why they do not want us first-class Vedic scholars to come in and expose them. Such sentimentalists. Rather than scrutinizingly analyzing the Shastra like us, they are simply chanting and dancing like women and children. In this way, they were spreading all bad rumors, horrible gossip about the devotees. Of course, this is something that will always be. So there was one Brahman, his name was Gopal Chapala. And he decided to disgrace Srivas Thakur because he was envious of him. Because he was getting so much recognition. So what he did is he put in front of the house of Srivas Thakur the paraphernalia for the worship of Durga, which is done by those tantric um, mystics who are essentially in the mode of ignorance. He put the wine and the other Durga uh, Puja paraphernalia. So when Srivas Thakur arose in the morning, he came outside and he saw what was done in his front yard. He called all the people of the town and said, you see, I'm worshipping Goddess Durga at night secretly. Now you should all know that. Actually, I am just a Tamaguni and I really have no devotion to Krishna, otherwise I wouldn't be doing these materialistic forms of tantricism. Of course, nobody believed him. Gopal Chapala, within days, came down with infectious, severe case of leprosy. And he was forced out of his home and out of the village itself. And he was living alone on the banks of the Ganges, some distance away, suffering horribly. And one day, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was passing by. And Gopal Chapala came and began to beg the Lord, please, please, I take shelter of you. Help me out of this horribly painful suffering condition of life. I surrender to you. I am now your devotee, please save me. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu looked at him with eyes like fire. He said, because you have committed an offense to my dear devotee, Srivas Thakur, I curse that for the next tens of millions of births, you only suffer this type of pain. And then the Lord walked away, left this man alone drowning in his own offense. And then some time later, it was quite a while after, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was again passing that way. And this time, Gopal Chapala was actually humble. He fell at the feet of the Lord and he said, I deserve much worse than this, what I have done to your devotee. How can I possibly atone for the offense I have committed to your devotee? I understand now how dear, dear your devotee is to you. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I have no power to forgive you. Only my devotee has the power to forgive you. Gopal Chapala went to the house of Srivas Thakur and with a sincere and truly repentant heart, he fell at his feet and begged him, please forgive of course, Srivas Thakur never accepted the offense in the first place. But the Lord does. But when Srivas Thakur simply gave his blessings, he was cured of his leprosy. Not only was he cured of his leprosy, but he was cured of his envy for the devotees. And he also became a great devotee of the Lord. There are many stories like this. In Chaitanya Bhagavad, it is explained that there was a 
devotee of the name of Devananda Pandit. And he was a great scholar. And he was teaching Srimad Bhagavatam. And in the Srimad Bhagavatam, one time Sri Thakur came to the class. And when he heard one of the slokas, in transcendental ecstasy, he began to swoon and he fell unconscious. And Devananda Pandit and his disciples, they did not understand the sweetness of pure love of God. So they thought he was some sort of a pretender or that he was just some sort of a sickly person. So they, they, were, they picked him up and abusively brought him outside and left him outside. And it is described for years and years and years, Devananda Pandit was not allowed to become Krishna conscious, but he had to suffer. Until, alas, because of his repentant forgiveness before the feet of Srivas Thakur, that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu forgave him. So whoever we are, do not think you are above this principle. It is the most important principle for our spiritual advancement. Srila Prabhupada explains that offenses against Vaishnavas are mad elephant offenses. Even if after years and years and years you develop so many spiritual qualities, they can all be vanquished if we seriously commit an offense to a devotee. Just as after years and years of growing a beautiful, beautiful garden, if you allow a mad elephant into that garden, how long does it take him to destroy everything? It is only a matter of seconds. This is why it is called mad elephant offense. Therefore, within the Shastra, it is explained how extremely careful one must be not to commit offenses to the devotees. And of course, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, he very much also wanted to demonstrate this. The final lila of Sri Krishna, his last word in his life, was practically to demonstrate this. The final, the end of Krishna's lila, when he was when he decided to send all the members of his infallible family, the Yadus, back to Godhead. Now how to take them back to Godhead? He, was a, he decided that now it is the time for me to leave this world. After 125 years of performing his wonderful pastimes, I have completed my mission. Now if I leave this world and the Yadu dynasty remains, they will become so mad in separation and they're such powerful kshatriyas that in ecstasy, I don't know what they're going to do. So he decided they must go before me. But how will they go? No one can defeat them. The only people that can defeat them is if they fight amongst themselves. So Krishna, he is so transcendentally clever that he can fulfill so many purposes with one pastime. He also wanted to show a lesson to the world which was essential. What was that lesson? He bewildered the hearts of some of the members, the younger members of the Jadu dynasty, Samba, Prajumana, and others. And what they did is they disguise themselves. Ah, they disguise Samba as a lady, a young girl, put a sari on her, and put some padding in her stomach to make it look like he was pregnant. And they wanted to just have a good laugh at the sadhus. They were thinking, we are chachriyas, we are practical people in this world, let's have a good laugh at these sadhus. They're not very practical anyway. So they went to these sadhus headed by Narada Muni, Paravat Muni. 
They said, ah, my dear Maharajas, ah, you see this young girl, she is pregnant. We want to know because we know that you know past, present, and future. Will this be a boy or a girl? They were thinking either one, they would just start laughing, saying, ah, boy or girl, you see what foolish people, foolish scholars, foolish yogis you are, you do not even know our tricks. Their intention was to insult and minimize the position of these great souls. So when they asked this question, will it be boy or will it be girl? The Lord in the heart of Narada Muni wanted to show them a great lesson. And Narada Muni announced with a tumultuous roaring voice that you rascals, she will give birth to a lump of iron which will be the cause of the destruction of your entire dynasty. And immediately they took off her sari and there was a big lump of iron that had come out from her his stomach. And they were thinking, what to do with this lump of iron? So they brought it back to King Ugrasena. And King Ugrasena and he said, well, we have to destroy it somehow or other. Well, what to do to destroy it? So they began to grind it and grind it and grind it into powder. One piece remained like this. They could not grind it down. So they took that piece and threw it in the, in the ocean, and they took all the other ground-up powder and threw it in the ocean. And all the powder washed up to the bank and began to grow these iron-like bamboo shoots. And that one piece simply remained in the forest. And one hunter made an arrowhead out of the piece. And by Krishna's arrangement, he sent all of his family members to a place called Prabhas Kshetra to perform some sacrifice. And while there, they got in an internal quarrel, and they began to pick up these shoots that were growing, these iron shoots, and they began to hit each other, and the whole Yadu dynasty was destroyed in that process. And that other arrow, of course, the Mosalya Lila of Sri Krishna, a hunter by Krishna's divine arrangement, saw his beautiful foot and thought it was a deer, And he shot the foot of Krishna. And when he saw him, Krishna said, he was apologizing like anything. The hunt, Krishna said to the hunter, no, 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 this is all my will. This is my leela to leave this world. And his body simply ascended to the spiritual world. And he left behind another body so that the atheists would have the facility to say, oh, you see, he was an ordinary man. So this whole divine leela of how Krishna left this world was to show each and every person, however exalted you are, whether you are Sachimata or whether you are even his own family members, who are Nitya Siddhas, his own family members, they are either the associates of the spiritual world or they are the greatest, most celebrated demigods in the heavens. They have all descended as the members of the Yadu dynasty. Even if you are his own personal children, they were his children and grandchildren. Even if you are the directly empowered family members of Sri Krishna living in the same house as him, if you commit offense to the devotees, you and your whole dynasty will be vanquished. This is how much Krishna wanted to stress to us how to be very careful about this. And it is his mercy, because it is the natural quality of his heart to love his devotees. And on the other hand, we are speaking of the negative side. But on the positive side, if you please the Lord's devotee, if you show affection, if you show respect for the Lord's devotee, how much that will capture the Lord's heart with gratitude and devotion to that sentiment of yours. 
Therefore it is said, yasya prasada bhagavat prasada yasya prasada nagati kutopi. If you please the spiritual master, you get the complete mercy of Krishna within your life. But if you displease the guru, you cannot get the mercy of Krishna in your life. You can travel throughout all of creation, you will not find it. Durvas Muni traveled throughout all of the creation, but because he committed an offense to Ambarish Maharaj, there was nowhere he could find the Lord's mercy. No one had the power to give it to him. But if one pleases the Lord's devotee, if one satisfies the Lord's devotee, if one shows love and respect to his most beloved son, then nothing can vanquish you. Even the most greatest powerful mystic who has created a bomb, ah, Durvasmuni has created a weapon that is millions and trillions of times more powerful than any bomb made by man today. He created a fiery demon that could devour the entire earth within seconds. But it could not harm even one hair on the head of Ambarish Maharaj. Because Ambarish Maharaj was always aspiring to please the Vaishnavas and to humbly put his head at the feet of the great devotees. So when we understand through the Lord's various incarnations on this earth, the relationship between him and his devotees, then we can truly understand how to, un how to make real progress, undisturbed progress in devotional service. Mad bhakta puja Sri Krishna tells Udhava that worship of my devotee is more dear to me than worship of me. Because I do not require anything but the love of my devotee. And those who respect and please those who love me are infinitely and eternally dear most within my heart. This is the divine word of God. Is there any questions? The pure devotee is always within the core of my heart, and I am always in the heart of the pure devotee. My devotees do not know anything else but me, and I do not know anyone else but them. Even regular life, daily life, why mental but physically also sometimes we talk very offensively and hearing, you will understand the gravity of the situation. When we do not understand the gravity and the severeness of offenses to devotees, then we take it lightly. I can get away with it. After all, I'm a good soul. I'm basically very sincere and very Krishna conscious, so this is this is practical. It's what must be done according to time and circumstance. I must do like this. If you are a great Acharya and you understand that this is actually what must be done at this time, then you can do. But if you, if you are not directly being guided by Guru and Krishna in this way, then my God, you're playing with fire. Not just fire, but the deadliest fire. If you understand the gravity, you will be very careful in this regard. But unfortunately, people do not understand the gravity. They take it for granted. They take it lightly. They take the examples of the scriptures to be symbolic, but they do not take them seriously. This is very dangerous. 
throughout the Bhagavatam, throughout the Chaitanya Charitamrita, even the Mahabharata, Bhagavad Gita, all these books are explaining so strongly, do not offend the Lord's devotee. Huh? The whole battle of Kurukshetra was staged simply because of offenses against the devotees. And the Lord arranged everyone to be destroyed. Huh? What was the offense? Many offenses, but one is to Draupadi. Draupadi was a woman. In those days, women were considered great goddesses and very... Um, um, they were considered hundreds of times more respected than they are today. Today, women want liberation because they're being misused and exploited. But in Vedic culture, a woman is considered in a very, very high-end spiritual position, if they are spiritual. And Draupadi, although she was, she was in such an exalted spiritual position, she was dragged by the hair into the assembly hall. And Duryodhana and Dushasana was, were trying to strip her naked in front of other, everyone to embarrass her. The Lord could not tolerate this offense. So the reaction to this offense is all. You have undone Draupadi's hair. Therefore, all of your family, all women will undo their hair. Because in those days, when your husband or relatives die, a woman would undo her hair. So because of their undoing Draupadi's hair, still we don't take it seriously. We're so whimsical. We still like to gossip and do rumors and all these things. But of course, we should be very, very careful not to commit offenses. But if the offenses are not based on the principle of, of envy, or if they are not based on the principle of trying to, trying to take a devotee down to a lower position. If they are just slight, then Krishna will not take them very seriously. We should try to guard against them also, but Krishna will not take them serious. But if we actually have a plan or a plot to take a devotee, to, to, to disgrace him before others or put him low before others, that offense will not be tolerated by Krishna. But if sometimes we get angry and we say something this, that, that is not actually from our heart. That is just a, re a reaction due to our conditioning. So those offenses will easily be overlooked by Krishna if we are sincerely trying to serve the devotees. But these examples are given in the scriptures so that even the thought of a defense against a devotee should frighten us so much that we think, my God, Krishna, please forgive me. Huh? This is not a state of paranoia. This is a state where our heart is actually a fertile field for the seed of love to grow. <coughs> So through hearing and through understanding, we must recondition ourselves against whimsical talk and against envious motives within our heart. If we feel envy or if we feel um, threatened by the position of a particular devotee, we must understand that, my God, if I'm wrong, I'm finished. If I'm right, Krishna will resolve it otherwise. But if I'm wrong, and therefore we should feel, my dear, we should pray in that situation. We should pray, Krishna, please purify my heart. Even if these desires are in your heart, 
if you respond according to those desires, then you commit offense. But if you pray to Krishna to nullify those desires, the desire is there, what can you do? The problem is not that the desire is there. The problem is what you do in response. If you pray to Krishna in that situation, please help me, please purify me, please let me become his servant. Huh? Maybe I do not understand, but this is in the this is in higher power's hands. Let me go on with my service. And let me respect all Vaishnavas. Huh? If that is your prayer, then you will very quickly be purified. So that is what you can do. Narottam Das Thakur prays that my dear Lord, if someone commits an offense to you by chanting the holy name, he is forgiven. But if someone offends you, devotee, there's no salvation. The only salvation is through very, very deep, sincere desire for forgiveness. So we should pray for that state of consciousness where we see the good qualities in others. The honeybee finds the nectar of each flower, and the fly is very anxious to taste stool and infections that come from sores on your body. You never see a fly going from flower to flower, tasting the sweet essence of the honey. Ah, the nectar. The fly loves infections. Stool, urine, pus. Ah, so we all have this fly-like tendency. We love, to, we love to ponder upon the stool of the faults of others. We have to take to the process of Krishna consciousness through performing the austerity of humbly serving the devotees and with a genuine and sincere heart praying to Krishna to make your heart pure. Then by His grace we can overcome our fly-like tendencies and we can become like a honeybee always hovering over His lotus feet, tasting the sweetness of His love. Hmm? Are there any other questions? I would like to thank all of you very much. Banchakalpataruvyascha kripasindubya evacha putitanam bhavani vyo vaishnavebhyo namo namah.